Hello and welcome to a podcast exploring the role of primary care networks in delivering a digital response to the pandemic and beyond. We've been talking about how do we work at scale across our six practices. So we felt now we have a great setup with clinicians being experienced to it, patients being experienced to it. So why don't we set up the e-hub? There were patients that were having to wait two weeks for what might be a quite a simple question that could be solved through an online consultation. Nurse practitioners were very used to seeing face-to-face consultations. So training them up to do videos, e-consults was a bit of a challenge initially. We're becoming more aware now with COVID and how important it is to ensure that patients can access not just health services, but all services digitally. I'm Dr. Minal Bakai. I'm a GP and clinical director for Digital First Primary Care at NHS England and NHS Improvement. I'm joined by Dr. Jenny Parker and Dr. Selva Selvaraja. Jenny, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm Jenny Parker. I'm a GP based in Lambeth and I'm the clinical director for the Brixton and um, Clapham Park Primary Care Network. And Selva? I'm one of the partners at Bromby Barber Health based in St Andrews Health Centre in East London Tower Hamlets. We're a partnership of three practices spread across our locality and also managing the practice called St Ballsway in conjunction with the network and work very closely with our sister organisation, Bromby Barber Centre. There's been an incredible amount of innovation happening across primary care. And in particular, there's been a huge increase in the adoption and utilisation of digital tools, such as online and video consultation systems, and a move to a total triage way of working. There is no one-size-fits-all, and digital channels have been used alongside other routes, such as the telephone and in-person, to support access to general practice services. One of the key enablers for transforming has been local relationships and collaboration, enabling this grassroots innovation to thrive. And one such example is the delivery of care through virtual hubs, where remote consultations can be managed centrally across a group of practices or PCNs, sharing their workforce, resources and workload, building resilience and supporting each other during surges in demand or loss of capacity. And today, we're very lucky to hear about the experiences of two such PCNs who have set up virtual hubs in their local areas. Selva, can you tell us a bit about yours? Back in 2009, after two years in development, the Tahamlis PCT at the time, working with the local GPs from all the 36 practices, came together to form the network system. And what they did was they grouped the 36 practices into eight networks to improve the quality of care they provided in areas such as cardiovascular disease, diabetes, COPD, and childhood immunizations. Our setup has evolved from there over the last 11 years. So our hub is in Network 6. We've got a very catchy name, Myland East and Bromley Bibo Network, or we just call ourselves Network 6. And it's a community interest company with a chair, a board, network manager, who's supported by the GP Federation Tahamas Care Group. Now with the, the PCN Direct Enhanced Scheme, there's, we have a clinical director there as well. More than a decade of experience and working together has meant that we already had very strong relationships with each other. And this made new ways of working quite easy for us in some ways to implement with the PCN DES and now with the eHub development that we've undertaken. That's really interesting. Jenny, could I come to you? We're based in Lambeth in South East London. We're made up of three practices. Um, we serve a population of 34,000 patients. We're run by two partnerships. So one of the partnerships looks after two of the practices. In sort of contrast to Selva, we're 
we formed as part of the PCN DES just last July. So we're, you know, relatively new to working together. And um, we had had sort of conversations and knew each other from being on the GPs close by before, but this has been a very steep learning curve for us. So it was a new stage in terms of integrating systems and, and working together. So we've been on, on quite a steep learning curve, I would say. So Jenny, can you tell us a little bit about how you've been using digital tools as part of your PCN, in particular to support the total triage approach and of course deliver remote consultations? And also why you as a PCN chose to develop a virtual hub. So we had the opportunity to set up an e-hub across the three practices. Actually, it was for different reasons across each of the practices that we're looking to do it. One of our practices already was using e-consult, but felt that they hadn't set up a sort of systematic way of doing it. It was just adding to their workload and sort of coming into the duty doctor system. I mean, other practices we were about to switch on, but hadn't really got much traction with our patients. It was also interesting because the practices were working on different systems. So some practices were working on on the day access for patients and another practice was book in advance. And actually, when we looked at the sort of need and demand for our patients, there were groups from both practices that were missing out so if you couldn't sort of phone up and get an appointment at eight o'clock in the morning at one group of practices you might miss out on getting access and for another group there were patients that were having to wait two weeks for what might be a quite a simple question that could be solved through an online consultation the benefits of working together on this i think is really just starting up any new system you know takes a huge amount of time effort and energy from those involved and we all know that from trying to influence any change and actually, by working together, we had a lead um, GP, Dr. Berry, who led on the project and a lead practice manager who had already had an experience of using e-consults and they were able to support the practices that hadn't used it before. And so I think by doing that teamwork made a huge difference. And the other thing that was helpful was we were keen to get our admin staff working together and to consolidate the administration so that you've not got emails and e-consults coming into different practices at different times. So we were looking for economies of scale at that level. Selva, could I come to you? Just before COVID, uh, because we've had a quite an established network system already, we were thinking about how do we deliver services at scale. But there was a lot of toing and froing of setting up systems. Since the start of COVID, what we've done as a network and as a practice is we've accelerated the promotion and deployment of online consultation. We use e-consult and it's advertised quite prominently in our website and our patient assistants. That's what we call our receptionists. And our clinicians also use AccuRx text messaging platform to remind patients when they have every contact with us to use online consultation. So we managed to push up our online consultation rate to about 50 to 60 percent of our daily triage intake. As a network, we felt this was the natural progression. So, so we've been talking about how do we work at scale across our six practices. So we felt now we have a great setup with clinicians being experienced to it, patients being experienced, exposed to it. So why don't we set up the eHub, a central model that delivers online consultations at scale across multiple practices. So we'll have a central location with dedicated hub clinicians who can then deal with the patient. Can I ask you both, have there been any unintended consequences of setting up the eHub? And if so, how have you managed these? If I could come to you first, Jenny. 
one of the big consequences was for us to be working together on a project across the PCN that felt very tangible and involved all members of staff. To be honest, there's been lots of positive things in terms of the access because we haven't shut off other areas of access. So I think for our patients, if they still want to access us by telephone or, you know, and as we've talked about, we're not talking about cutting off routes, then that's been okay for patients. There is this sort of fear because with the e-consult, there's no block on how many patients can submit their consultations over a period and how you might manage those. That was a big fear when we started. We had some initial peaks that were quite stressful when particularly after we'd promoted it at the start so that would certainly would be an increase in workload but as a PCM we were able to absorb that. And Selva have you had a similar experience? St Andrew's eHub which we started in August had existed as a physical hub for about 10 years so we had a walk-in centre initially and then moved into a hub for registered patients in Tower Hamlets so since the start of COVID when the footfall completely fell we were looking at how can we make best use of the services in conjunction with the CCG, the Tahamas Digital Accelerator Program supported by the Federation. So the ideal setup of the eHub proposal came and we were able to implement that. But there were some unintended consequences, I would say, for training because our hub is manned by nurse practitioners Monday to Friday, 8 to 8. And they were very used to seeing face-to-face consultations. So training them up to do videos, e-consults, IQRX, setting up smart cards, how to use the IT was a bit of a challenge initially. But what we did was leading up to the start of this, we spent about two months transitioning them to the new way of working. And importantly for the patients, there was a lot of promotion that went into it from the host practices and from the registered practices. And also the patients were sent a text as soon as the e-consult was booked onto the EMIS community for the hub. So they were aware that they've sent the e-consult and it will be responded to. And we haven't had any issues with that because it's helped to improve access, convenience of the patients, and it also allows the practice to focus more on patients who need continuity of care and also provide continuous access. It's great to hear that the hubs have improved access and actually supported practices in managing their demand. And as you said, Jenny, that demand is relatively predictable in terms of then how you manage staffing at the e-hub. And very clearly, uh, the process needs to involve all members of the team. And therefore, all members of the team, including our admin staff, need to be trained. Selva, can you tell us a little bit about how the system enables continuity of care for those that need it? We dealt with it in two different ways. First, we set an exclusion criteria in terms of which patients could be actually seen in the hub. It's not a long list. We exclude patients who have palliative needs or patients who might be registered with the safe haven services or serious mental health issues and so on. So this was the exclusion criteria, which was made clear to the the admin teams and the clinicians, as well as the registered practices. So that meant the more complex patients were held by the practices and we offered a more minor ailment service. The second thing is we would always communicate with the patients as soon as they were registered onto the e-hub and also when they've been dealt with, an email would be sent to the registered practice. Also because we share EMIS community system, we can look at all records so we can see the patient's records from their registered practice and vice versa. Jenny, can you tell us a little bit about what the experience of patients has been using the e-hub and perhaps give us some examples of how you promoted 
the service to patients. In terms of how we set it up and promoted it initially, we had sessions with our network patient participation group to discuss the setup of the of the hub. And they've also been doing some work with a digital champion program in Lambeth to try and increase access for digital services. So actually sort of pre-COVID, we were able to have run some workshops within practices, sort of see both in terms of patient access and accessing e-consults. So for those that would like to, to help to learn how to use the service. In terms of promoting it once it started, we would do some sort of mass texts out to people to let them know that they could use the e-consult. That can kind of all grab a few people, but then to try and support people who may have not used it otherwise. Um, when people would phone up and ask to book a consultation, they would be offered the opportunity of an e-consult. And we were quite clear that that was an offer and a nudge. They weren't forced to do it unless all of the appointments had gone that day and it wasn't urgent. I would just like to talk a bit about continuity because I think our, our hubs are quite different and I think that's important to raise because I think they both serve a purpose. In terms of continuity of care for us, we had our um, the GPs working in the hub would have sort of direct read and write access into the practice EMIS notes. This doesn't come without logistical problems because you have to swap in and out of your smart card each time. But it did mean that they had full access to pass notes and could write in them. We weren't sending discharge summaries around. The feedback from staff and patients was actually that sometimes they really do need to see their registered GP. And we were using it not just for kind of on the day care, but for, for all sorts of types of care. So we've actually transformed our models. You know, everything will come via admin and staff. If patients request to see a named GP or actually the e-consult will go back into their practice. So now the e-consults are tended to be managed by the practices GP to kind of enable continuity of care. We also have that option for overflow if we're suddenly swamped or if we kind of get back into COVID type mode that we can work together. But at the moment we're seeing them within their own practice or not seeing them, but seeing the consults and contacting the patients within the practice. It's great to hear that you consciously designed to enable or improve continuity. Silver. East London, where you work, obviously has a very diverse population. How did you tailor the solution to meet your local needs? Um, thanks, Minal. Um, as you've alluded to, Ta Hamlets uh, has a very ethnically diverse and disadvantaged population of about 320,000, uh, including the largest Bangladeshi community in England. Also, our particular ward where we are based has 55% of the patients in social housing. But despite this, there is a high smartphone penetration across the population. And our internal survey that we did on patients who were using e-consult revealed about 14% of our patients didn't have access to internet or smartphone. In order to address that, what we do is we work with our Bromiova Centre, our sister organisation, on digital inclusion programmes, which enables patients to either get online Prior to COVID, they had an internet cafe that they could use to upload the e-consults. Or what we are also now doing is working on an e-consult light version where the practices, the patient assistants can themselves answer some of the simple questions that can just be uploaded via a template. We're also quite fortunate to have a population health team, which consists of social prescribing teams who can also follow up and help support patients who need digital access. They sound like brilliant initiatives. Jenny, you also mentioned that you've been doing some work around digital inclusion and supporting patients access. We have a way to go and it's something that we really want to work on within Lambeth. And I think we're becoming more aware now with COVID and how important it is to ensure that patients can access not just health services, but all services digitally. So I think there was a huge part to play in that. And it is something that we want to continue to work on and support. Yes, no, I absolutely agree. And I think... We need to recognise that the technology also needs to mature 
and improve its usability and design so that it is accessible to wider groups of patients. And there is some work that we are doing nationally as well to try and support that. I agree with Al and, and Jenny. There are multiple options available for the patient. So yes, digital is, in my opinion, is the way to go to offer convenience and access to patients, but that's not the only way. So it's important we bear that in mind and that's the thing we have. I agree that it's important to keep the other options open, but I think also we need to support those that might want to access online consultations or other forms of digital to to be able to. So interestingly, I think people worry about the age or you know which demographic you are targeting with online consultations. But when we looked at ours, the percentage of people that had accessed online consultations completely mirrored the age profile of our, of our patient population. So it wasn't that it was all, you know, the younger professionals that were using it. So I think it'd be interesting to know more about who is accessing it and who isn't and how to help those. I'd also like to touch briefly on the support that you've had around these hubs. Jenny, you mentioned that you were part of one of the local accelerator projects. What have you received in the way of support from your CCG or STP? We were lucky enough to get some funding through a pilot project from the Southeast London Digital Accelerator Group um, through our CCG. And they had sort of project managers and support to help us through the project and to develop the systems. As I mentioned, one of our practices had already used eConsult and was kind of embedded within their system. And one of their GPs, um, Dr. Alison Ferry, and the practice manager, Chris Newman, led on the project. And it was great to have their input and experience to work across the PCN. We also had some support from the NHS Time for Care team who ran workshops. I think we did about five workshops during the time that we were setting up the pilot. And that was great facilitating to get everybody together from the three practices and to develop our process mapping and also to develop the relationships that we needed to run the pilots. And Selva, what's been your experience with regards to the support you've received? I'll start off with what we received from our commissioners, the CCG. So we hold an APMS contract at St Andrews to deliver the traditional hub model, eight to eight, seven days a week. What they have been very proactive with is actually to facilitate this pilot. So they meet with us on a regular basis and they completely gave up their blessing to move towards this e-hub and this was led by Roberto and Divya. So Roberto is one of our GPs who's the digital transformation lead for the STP and Divya is the network manager who's in charge of the Tahamba's digital acceleration supported by our practice manager Shazad and Osman Betty who's the chief clinical information officer for the STP. So there was a lot of support to get this off the ground. This couldn't have been a success without our nurse practitioners who were initially quite hesitant given the new ways of working, but they've actually really, really come on board now. And once even emailed me last week asking, well, can I do this work from home? Another clinician is sending us constant updates about how we can improve the service. So it's pretty much been a very much a collaborative effort. And I think we mustn't underestimate the change effort that's required in designing and, and managing the development of the e-hubs, but also changes in workflow processes and pathways. There is nationally funded support as well for all practices and PCNs, which should be coordinated at a health system level to ensure that local needs are effectively being met. But to really help the whole team rethink processes, support with understanding demand and capacity and help with these collaborative ways of working. And this support can be accessed by contacting your CCG for those that haven't received that support to date. 
was clearly articulated that support is paramount in, in these models being successful. What would you say are the other critical success factors if you were advising another PCN that wanted to set up an e-hub? One of the key aspects is getting the IT right, whether that's setting up dual screens, webcams, making sure the IQRX is working fine, the smart cards enabled uh, so that the clinicians can view multiple practices. Also, the next big thing is about setting up the systems and processes. So what is the pathway for the host practice? What is the pathway for the practice that the patient is registered in? So the way we work our hub is the e-consults come to the registered practice and either a trained administrator or the on-call doctor, a clinician, would decide which are the most appropriate e-consults to be put forward to the e-hub. Also, how do we feed back to the practices about the appropriateness of the e-consults? So it's, it's that systems and processes. And the third thing is ongoing training and support to the clinicians and the admin teams who are working. So one of the things we did was leading up to the, the start of the pilot, there was a lot of intense training to our patient assistant teams and our nurse practitioners in, in how do they process these things. Yeah, I think you can't underestimate the, the IT challenges. Um, I would say we've still got quite a lot that we need to, to iron out. There was definitely quite a lot of time spent by our administrators, practice managers, making sure that everybody had logins to all of the systems and that we could set up the IT as, as best as we could. I think that is important. Mainly, as with any change project, particularly for us as a, as a new PCN and working on this project together, and the main factor for us was to get buy-in from sort of as many members of the teams as we could from each practice, both from our sort of administration reception team from our clinicians so that people felt involved so some of them were processing the ee consults but not all clinicians were it was sort of trying to ensure that even those that weren't actually doing it knew what was happening and what their patients were experiencing and communication between the practices so we ended up sort of having either whatsapp groups not for patient data but just so people could find out what was happening or easily get in touch with each other for receptionists to easily be able to email a receptionist at a different practice if they weren't sure about systems and to be able to, to share and learn from each other and one of the benefits from this was that we weren't in a place that we could align all of our processes but whilst we were doing the hub because you've got receptionists from different practices working together, they were able to sort of come to me and say, oh, actually, you know, they do this this way over there. Why don't we try this and, and sort of develop things organically that way, which has been really helpful. So if practices are thinking about doing this, there are a wealth of resources, communication toolkits, scripts for staff to help them prepare and explain the way services work to patients that are available through the Digital Primary Care Future NHS platform. It's a place where people are sharing learning so you don't need to start from scratch. As we approach the end of today's episode, I'd just like to ask what's next? So what are your plans for optimising the service going forward? I think one thing that we'd like to look at is whether we can use it not just for reactive care, but maybe for some patients, they might want to do some of their sort of long-term condition reviews or by submitting some information online first. We'd like to look into that. We'd like to continue, as we've talked about again, about patient engagement and to support those patients who may not feel comfortable accessing it, not to push them onto it, but to have it there as an option. And I think we need to continue working with our you know, systems and, and processes, which is, as I sort of say, an evolving thing, learning from each practices and making sure that we can improve things to make things smoother for staff and for patients. 
One of the things I didn't add and I should have done is it's actually the patients in a way because we're here to serve their needs and it's very, very important that we involve them very early on in the process and see how they can help this process. And it won't be the same in every area. So we need to set this up according to the specific needs of the population. For our kind of next steps, our plan is expansion across the borough. We're well into the pilot now and it's going really well. What we hope to do is to expand this model to the other networks within Tar Hamlets to be delivered alongside the traditional models of healthcare that we've always had. And what we're also anticipating is to create a hot and cold site so the practices can safely manage risk to patients and staff and also provide really good access to our patients much more flexibly. And we're already thinking about remote and flexible working for our clinicians as well. So this will be great for recruitment and retention of clinicians, which has always been an issue. I think offering that will be crucial. Thank you. That sounds really exciting. I'd like to just say a huge thank you to both Jenny and Selva for joining me today and sharing their valuable experiences. And thank you too for listening. I hope you found this podcast useful and that it offers you some ideas to take away and use in your own local area. You can find out more about the work that NHS England and NHS Improvement is doing to support primary care networks by visiting england.nhs.uk forward slash PCN or by emailing england.pcn at nhs.net where you can also share experiences from your local area. It would be really great to hear from you. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast produced by Robert Mulligan for NHS England and NHS Improvements.